Hello, Theodore. Thanks for uh, doing this. This poem was inspired by Martin Prechtel, his talks on grief and praise that I know lots of people have heard now from the Minnesota Men's Conference. I've also dedicated this to Mark Lakeman and City Repair, who taught me so much about the village square versus the Roman grid, the intersection life that we have now, and the wound to the village that our gridded life provides. This poem is called Grief Ratios and the Calculus of Gentrification. When we say it takes a village, let's be more specific. Martine Prechtel says it takes 50 for just one to grief. This is a good ratio. And he says that grief isn't just sadness, but a skill set, an altered state held in community, and that it should wallow. Those born in the West will recognize grief by other names, lazy, weak, dangerous even, because it lowers productivity and thins the coffers. A man returns home from a walk, cursing loudly at his wife on the sidewalk across the street. This ratio is too low. Unfair to her, unfair to both. Along the way, he bangs on large glass windows at artists spinning ceramics, working warm, focused, creative. For a brief moment, he has raised the ratio. His wife knows her place, knows about ratios too, can calculate the safest place to stand. The artists don't seem to notice anything beyond the brief disturbance and do not recognize the ancient village beyond the glass. I am watching from the corner in the bitter cold, fingers frozen and in search of the village. For months now, my belly and knots chased in dreams, slept without sleeping. I can hold the weight of this if you will hold me in your bosom. But if you can't receive, then your giving always creates a deficit. Many of us are crying alone into dreams, without the shaman to hear us, without the circle of elders, grieving into pill bottles, talking into the vacuum-sealed therapy couch where the ratio is greater than zero, but still too low. Still, many choose to grieve outside, beyond the glass, confusing pavement for cobblestone, intersection for village square, a wailing rhapsody at those who step over, at those headphoned to podcasts on empathy, at those whose calculus merely raises property values and who carry silent faces with looks that say, at best, someone should do something, at worst, stand up, don't be a burden. It's warmest behind the glass in this new wilderness. You'll need to learn about ratios so you can choose where to stand. The road of grief and sorrow, of ash and coal, spin walks in stays of old. So doomed as we are told There's wonders to behold 
fragments to unfold. Thank you for this poem, Grief Ratios, by Eric Fairlayman. And the song afterward is by myself, Theodore Lowry. I just came back recently from a peacemakers gathering, which was put on by the Cowets and people, especially inspired by one elder, Guiaholt, who's been working to build bridges especially between First Nations communities and settlers in this part of the world, being the west coast of what's known as Canada in the Salish Sea ecosystem. In this gathering, people came from different parts of the world to work on building bridges, on doing better, than our ancestors may have done, especially those of us whose ancestors were, in a sense, invaders. I wrote a song about the opening ceremony of this gathering. When the song is over, I'll share a little about what events poured into the different verses, making them what they are. This song is called Peaceful as Embers. Mm-hmm. 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 
Formation of village, formation of state Center is broken, children are stolen Guilt of the leaders through gate after gate Formation of village, formation of state Center is broken, children are stolen Center is broken, through gate after gate Guilt of the leaders through gate after gate Rally to pyramid, triangle to circle Alley and gate, mangled in a shape Hey, 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 hey,
first fire must be kindled. Children will lead us. They hub of our spindle. They embers who feed us. First fire must be kindled.
string on rises small dawn falls rises dawn rises rises dawn string on small dawn rises dawn small dawn string on rises dawn rises on rises dawn string on small rises small falls rises rises string And the dance. 
I'll speak a little bit about this song. This is a gathering of people of different ancestries coming in, stem tips of ancestors, each of us an individual, and yet each of us embodiments of those who came before. These crisscrossing lines of ancestors, those who were born before each of us, these crisscrossing lines are complex and not always particularly harmonious. Singing and screaming, singing and screaming, sometimes very beautiful, sometimes very terrible. Some fled from the land of Europe. Some came here in conquest. Those who were here greeted them and later tried to resist what became an invasion. In the opening ceremony of this peacemakers gathering, a ceremonial fire was kindled by children, by youth. In traditional ways of living on the coast here, and I think in many places. The children are at the center of community. Around them are grandparents, around them are parents, aunts and uncles, who all do parenting, and around them are guardians. So these children, the hub of our spindle. The elder who gathered us in, doing this peacemaking, bridge-building work, as did his father, as did his father. The youth did not have an easy time starting this fire. It took a lot longer than expected because they were starting it with wood on wood, with friction with a bow drill, which if you don't know, is a shaft of wood that fits into a hole in a slab of wood. And in order to rotate this shaft of wood very quickly, a string 
goes around the top of it, and this string is moved with a bow. This string is attached to a bow, so the person starting it needs to keep that shaft stable and move this bow and this string very, very quickly so the shaft rotates and creates enough friction to start a little fire, some embers, to start some embers going. Those are then put inside some dry grass. And if that lights, then can move on to small bits of wood and larger bits of wood. But it is not always easy to pull this off. It's hard to keep the shaft stable. It's hard to keep the ember alive when it comes. It's hard to get enough friction going. Sometimes everything is not quite dry and that makes it harder. So this took a while. The whole schedule is basically thrown off. But in this happening, time came alive. Because what's the point of sticking to the schedule just to roll on, to be on time for the next batch of activities that we're not really present for? So there wasn't impatience from all the people present there, indigenous and settlers alike. There wasn't impatience there was just waiting for that to happen, waiting for that fire to come. And how amazing to start fire in that way, not with a lighter or matches, but in this old way of friction, wood on wood, hands on string on wood. I felt at that time that this fire Fire, which is the source of all our electricity, which ignites all our motors, fire which powers our whole civilization, fire which we have in so many convenient forms. Here in this gathering, we were calling fire to us in one of the oldest ways that we called fire to us, that we humans called fire to us, so with friction bringing the fire in. And from there, when that fire did light and the small pieces of wood were ignited and the larger pieces, we had a solid fire going. That fire was kept alive for four days, kept burning for four days of the gathering. Someone was up all day, all night, People took shifts and kept that fire burning for the whole gathering. And after the fire was lit, people came forward with pieces of wood that they had engraved with different words that were sacred to them. And they spoke about those words. They spoke about those ideals and what they meant to them. And we danced. A sacred dancer came and danced a beautiful stomping dance throughout the circle between us, with us all being a circle around this dancer. And we danced with each other, a friendship dance, where we came under each other's arms in a big row and became the row while the next dancers came beneath our arms. 
and the simple and beautiful ways we came together. And if you want, you might listen to this song again, rewind now that you've heard a little bit about it and your journey through the song may be a little different this time. And so I close this episode, and this will be the season finale as well. We'll be taking a little break from creating episodes. What is coming up? What is coming up is a series on play. I have interviews lined up with a board game designer who speaks about concepts of game mechanics and gameplay, which are pertinent not only to board games, but to economies, the way companies work, the way relationships happen, essential principles of games. And much of what we do in human society, you could look at as a game. Private property ownership, so many systems, all the systems we have, you could consider as games not necessarily fun games and games that if we shift around the game mechanics might become a lot more interesting and a lot more balanced. I've also interviewed a man who goes into prisons where people have been incarcerated for sometimes quite heavy crimes and he brings imagination and play into those circumstances. I've also got an interview lined up with a woman who is a scholar of the stages of child development and the kinds of play that are helpful at different stages and the deep, deep importance of play. I don't have a release date for this new season, but it won't be long, within a few months, I reckon. And if you'd like to keep updated, if you're not already, you can sign up for the Story Paths substack. You can find a link in the show notes. And if you'd like to support this podcast, do feel free to share this episode or other episodes, and you can become a paid subscriber on substack for about $5 a month. Very helpful. I wish you well in your journeys within and without and in between. And until next time, blessed be, blessed be.